people want to work somewhere where they connect with people, they like people, they feel part of a, a community. And that's really, really important. I remember having conversations with my dad years ago. He's like, well, people should just be grateful they've got a job. And actually, I think that, you know, people talk now about the great resignation. People are saying, I don't just want a job. I want a job that meets my emotional needs. I want a job where I feel that I can go and I'm appreciated, that I connect, that I have a sense of meaning and purpose. I know what the company's vision and values are, that they align with mine. Hello and welcome to another HG podcast. I'm Jo Baker and I'm part of the HG team and today I'm going to be talking to our expert Lisa Lloyd about adopting a holistic approach for business success and her business It's Time for Change. Lisa's an experienced psychologist, well-being coach, counsellor and human-given psychotherapist. Alongside her private practice, 10 years ago Lisa founded It's Time for Change, a business based on the belief that if we all start doing things a little bit differently we'll achieve huge results. Lisa noticed the importance of taking a holistic approach to the workplace culture, not only for individual well-being, but for the commercial success of the business. When we get people right, we get business right, says Lisa. So welcome, Lisa. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Um, and I'm really excited to be here connecting some of the kind of key aspects of my work, which kind of drive who I am and what I'm all about. So linking the human givens with all the business, business work I do, I'm, I'm very excited to be sharing with you. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to talk to us today. It's such an important topic um, that we've not covered yet. So we're really delighted to have you here. Can we maybe start off by, by talking a little bit more about what is it? What is Time for Change? So I set up this Time for Change, as you said, on the premise um, in my mantra is when we get people right, we get business right. And I had previously worked with local authorities who were really striving to improve outcomes but my approach was rather than support or try and drive those outcomes is supporting the people within the systems to fulfill their potential so that they could improve outcomes. And I was really lucky to be able to shape my role then. And I think that kind of gave me the buzz to set up my own company where I could work with whole companies providing a little bit of psychotherapy. But actually, the majority of my work is really working with people, particularly leaders, managers, and whole teams to breaking down any of the barriers to thriving. So it's about people being able to be their best at work. And I'll go about that in a whole range of ways. I don't have off the shelf kind of packages or whatever. It's very bespoke. So a company will say, actually, we want to do something differently. We want to do something better. And it might be motivated by we've got high staff turnover or our outcomes aren't good enough, or we're noticing that people aren't very happy, or we just need to know that we're doing the right thing. So whatever the kind of initial request is, well, then start unpicking what's going on. And so it's time for change is essentially, it's always the right time for change. You know, change should be continuous. And it's about knowing what that change needs to look like and how to achieve that. So it sounds like it's a really a whole system approach, um, but yeah. really based on the individual needs of, of the company and their people. Yeah, very much. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, all businesses do have a, a duty of care to their employees and many of them, you know, give, maybe give them an access to a, a well-being hub or an employee assistance program or something like that. But but is that actually enough? It's a start. <laughs> um, 
it's a, it's a real danger. Some people will will do that as a starting point or because they their intention is good or they want to do something. But they don't quite know what, so they think that's the answer. Some other people do that as a bit of a tick box exercise. So they think we've got that ticked off. You know, we've got that over there. And now it's, now it's over to our employees to make sure that they go and do it. And as long as they go and engage with the wellbeing hub, they'll be fine. If they choose not to, then that's up to them. And I always feel that's kind of bypassing responsibility of the um, employer who are who kind of can take the stance that actually we've done our bit now. And it miss, for me, it misses the entire point, which is about employee well-being is all about an employee experience when they come to work. So your company culture, the you know your ability to go to work and feel connected, enjoy what you do, feel recognised have some sense of control over how you plan your work and, and you know using your strengths and so on when all those pieces are lined up it means that actually our well-being is going to thrive and I think that comes down to responsibility to the employer to change how they work as a whole company not to have the bolt-on of a well-being hub mm. and I think that's the bit where when I've had lots of people say to me but we have you know we have this whizzy pool table so that when people have a break they can play a bit of pool and that is brilliant so I wouldn't I've never kind of undermined that because actually having opportunities for people to connect and for people to have some fun and just have some downtime which is actually when all their amazing ideas come to them that's really really good but that doesn't do everything and when you know you look at the stats around I think it was some investors and people stats recently around accidental managers you know 68% of managers were considered themselves accidental that means they haven't had the training they haven't had the career planning in place to get them to a place where they are feeling confident they have the competence to look after people so if you've got managers managing teams and those teams don't have someone who knows how to look after their well-being then you can have a very whizzy well-being hub but it's not going to make the difference and actually I think people are unintentionally focusing on the wrong thing so I think you know they they think they they get an idea of a well-being hub or they get an idea of a you know whatever benefit and they think that's going to do it and actually they need to come look much closer to home in terms of what they already have and making that work better rather than trying to bolt stuff onto that yeah so I guess it really comes from you know the very heart of a cultural transformation within the business yeah Um, massively and you know the the managers and the, the senior leadership teams really understanding that and 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 walking the talk as well modeling yeah yeah and I think it's people are so good at saying you know because I talk a lot about empowerment like how to empower your employees and how that fits with psychological safety and how to achieve psychological safety and lots of people say oh yeah yeah we do that and they kind of they believe that they're doing it but actually the experience does not demonstrate that and, you, and there's a real mismatch between and then lots of the research shows this around when you look at well-being or you look at employee experience about what leaders think they're doing or managers think they're providing and they think they're doing a really good job and actually ask the people on the ground and they're like but I'm not seeing that I'm not experiencing that there's a real mismatch so I think we need to be very wary of helping people unpick what we mean by well-being you know what does well-being actually mean what does resilience mean? I was talking at an event recently about resilience and they expected me to talk about how to help individuals become more resilient. And I turned the whole thing on its head and said, 
resilience isn't about <laughs> isn't about all I love that you're clapping Joanna isn't it <laughs> that you're kind of you're trying to make all your employees more resilient so you can throw more stuff at them and hope it sticks it's actually about you as a company how do you enable people to be resilient you know how do you able enable them to cope with change we're going through such enormous rates of change we have been with we continue to do so which is really impacting on companies and employees and most people don't understand the cycle of change they don't understand that that person being really awkward and resistant over there and really tricky that's not because they dislike me or they're just being a difficult individual they got out of bed the wrong side this morning it's actually because they're scared they don't they don't know what's happening next or they don't feel comfortable with it so it's a, there's so much that leaders and managers need to get their heads around which is not about the nice kind of benefits that the well-being hubs on the side Mm. And I, I think we, we see the same thing in universities. I get asked all the time, can you come and make my students more resilient? Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe start with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, you know, have a look at what's going on and what kind of problems you're seeing. Um, yeah. and see if we can start from the other end. Yeah, exactly. Of this, because human beings are resilient. Yes. If we, you know, provide the right environment. For them. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's a real, um, People end up labeling, you know, this is a, you know, whatever generation problem or this is a, you know, it's kind of labeling people as a group saying, well, they're just not up to the job. They just haven't got, you know, back in my day, people are tougher than this. Back in my day, we'd work all hours or, but actually people don't understand the reality. Right now, people are working ridiculous hours when they're working from home. They're working far harder than they ever used to. And people are coping with so much more. You know, you, there's, there's never any downtime. You're juggling so many balls at once. So, as you said, people are massively resilient right now, but they but that's never that's not recognised enough about actually what people are trying to cope with on a day to day basis. Most employees don't know. Mm. Yeah. So you're very much focused. Um, it seems to me, you know, very much focused on on employees um, within your company, but a lot of businesses are, don't come from the employee-centred um, viewpoint as a, as a starting point, but more on making the money. So, you know, how can they be adapting or should they be adapting their focus from making money and increased productivity onto employee well-being? And if they were doing that, what kind of benefits might they be seeing? Mm, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I think a lot of companies have really struggled to make that shift from focusing on it's all about making money and driving performance and focusing on the outcomes to, you know, which is kind of the end of the, the line. So actually focusing what's going in at the start, which is about the people. And, you know, I was doing some work um, earlier this year with an investment bank. So it's very high stress, very driven, very fast paced. And actually the, the point of that work was around maximizing their brain performance because they wanted to fine tune how their brains worked. And actually the whole, the whole focus of that was about, we need to do, we need to enable our brains to do less. You know, you're pushing too much. You're constantly being given these messages that you're not quick enough, you're not fast, you know, you're not fast enough, you're not doing well enough. You know, you need to be achieving more and it's putting so much pressure on them. And that is, I spent quite a lot of time just explaining as I do with every, pretty much everyone I work with, what's going on in your brain, you know, when your stress levels are increasing, what that does in terms of, really inhibiting your ability to perform and it inhibits your relationships and then you have this whole spiral of other problems going on that you also have to deal with and it was really interesting that because we took the focus away from 
focusing on the outcomes and actually looked at, okay, what enables you to do your job really well and what gets in the way? And we, it was a, one example is a really, really simple thing, MS Teams. So I was talking about just the role of, or the impact of distractions on our brain and how we are able to concentrate and perform. And someone said something about they struggle with MS Teams because it's constantly bing-bonging at them throughout the day. And they are unable to switch. They felt they were unable to switch it off because there's a company expectation that they should be accessible at all times. And as soon as one person said that, it opened the floodgates up. And there's this huge conversation where everyone's saying, I just can't focus. I can't concentrate on my job. I just cannot do X, Y, and Z. And you think this is a conversation that the leaders were um, they, had, they were not aware of. And it's mm. something so simple that if they, people were able to focus their attention more, they'd feel calmer, they'd, they'd get their job done better. And it was really obvious stuff. Some of this is not rocket science. And I think I said on my website, it's, it's a lot of what I do is not rocket science. It's just about being able to take a step back and focus on what's getting in the way, what are the barriers to your workforce being able to be their best, you know, for them to be able to thrive. And then how do we break down this, those barriers? Mm. And I guess it, you know, I know that's your, the, the small things all add up to, to making such a difference. And I certainly noticed that myself during lockdown when a lot of what I was doing with universities was on Teams. Mm. And then a lot of what I was doing in therapy was Zoom, but Teams was pinging away constantly. And just having, you know, taking the control of muting it. Yeah. Such a difference to, you know, to, to how I was feeling. Yes. And so if we, you know, if you would augment that onto a more global scale within the business, yeah. God, how much capacity have they just freed up in their employees' brains? Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I've had so many conversations with, so when, when I'm working with teams and people will be saying, you know, I'm getting contacted out of hours, I'm getting, you know, this, that and the other is really bothering me. And I'll feed that back to the managers and I say, but they know they're allowed to turn their phone off or, you know, they're, they're allowed to do this stuff. And it comes back to your point earlier about, they're not modeling it, they're not demonstrating, they're not insisting on it. So it's all very well saying, you know, you should really turn your phone off when you leave work. But how much are they enforcing it? How much are they? And, you know, some people want to work evenings and so on. And that's fine. That's, that's also about knowing your individuals and having a kind of personalized approach. But it's how much are companies really insisting on the fact that people have to prioritize their own self-care? They have to do what's right for them. They have to achieve their kind of work-life integration in a way that feels it's fulfilling the needs of the individual and that they haven't got to leave their phones on. They haven't got to be able to be contacted 24-7 just in case. And again, that comes back to that demonstration by leadership. You know, are people not contacting others outside of work hours? Or if they are, are they, and I've seen lots of people are now because of flexible ways of working, they put a little note on the bottom of their email saying, I know I'm sending this out to normal work hours. I don't expect to have a reply from you until tomorrow. So there are different ways of doing it, but it's just saying something once doesn't get the message through. It's about demonstrating it and, and repeating that consistent message. But also, I think, you know, nowadays it's so simple just to put a send later on your email so that, yeah. you, you know, if you do need to work in the evening because you're juggling, you know, the yeah. many roles in exactly. your life um, and just setting it to send within the normal working hours. Yeah of your company it's so easy to do it is and that's the stuff when you know going back to what we talked about earlier about what does well-being really mean it's about people taking responsibility themselves for how they impact on other people and others well-being it's not about we need to buy in something it's what do my behaviors 
do to help or get in the way of other people doing and feeling okay. That's really interesting. And I know there are some countries where they've actually passed law that you can't send emails, you know, yeah. in, in people's downtime. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Bring that on here. <laughs> There's definitely a shift happening um and, and probably you know can't come soon enough so mm. how do how do the human givens principles inform workplace culture from your approach they are they have always been central to it i think because when i worked with local authorities that's when i did my human givens psychotherapy training and when i then set up it's time for change I it was all it was it was just so obvious that that was part and parcel of everything I did so because I already trained to become a psychologist I was very much kind of merging my psychology stuff with my human given stuff and when you take the kind of key principles of human givens it feeds into it's central to everything so you, th- you know we've already discussed like the ch- rapid pace of change at the moment you know, that really affects people's sense of security. They don't feel secure, whether that's because of COVID, whether that's because of, you know, my is my job safe? What's going on with hybrid working? It's, there's so many different factors. And security, you know, we know is that one of the, the key, obviously the, the needs are very, very important. But for me, security is always that one. If people don't feel safe and their emotional arousal is high as a result of feeling unsafe, then really whatever else you try and throw at these people and to try and support them, actually that, that number one factor needs to be um, explored and the stress relieved of, of from that because we know that anxiety has rocketed, depression has rocketed through, through COVID and all the research shows that that has gone up significantly over the last year. So we need to be actively looking to support people around feeling more secure and how and that has to be a personal approach. That has to be about managers having individual conversations with people, not as a company, giving some company-wide message out and hoping it lands well, which I've also seen people do. The, the need for attention. So, you know, one of the human givens needs around attention. And we know that, you know, recognition is so, so important. And actually so many companies are pushing, 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 but they don't necessarily take the time to recognise what people have achieved just the fact that they're still managing to get to work during times of uncertainty or they're adapting to a changing role, you know, are they focusing on the right thing in terms of, we know that we're expecting a dip in your performance actually because your role's just completely changed, but well done for actually sticking with the role and trying your best and adapting and so on. So what are we recognising? We look at our status, a sense of status and achievement, and that comes from being recognised, that comes from being listened to and you know, being able to use our strengths more in terms of people, I try to encourage companies to get outside, think outside the box when it comes to roles. So what are the strengths within your team? And why don't you tweak roles to utilize those strengths rather than trying to fit with unique individuals into very standard roles that kind of might use some people's strengths, but actually some others are just staying hidden. So it's about using strengths, enabling people to grow connection you know being part of that wider community work now is so much more than just a job it's not just it's not even now just a place to go it's it's not just an activity people want to work somewhere where they connect with people they like people they feel part of a a community and that's really really important I remember having conversations with my dad years ago he's like people should just be grateful they've got a job and actually I think the you know, people talk now about the great resignation. People are saying, I don't just want a job. I want a job 
that meets my emotional needs. I want a job where I feel that I can go and I'm appreciated, that I connect, that I have a sense of meaning and purpose. I know what the company's vision and values are, that they align with mine. I'm able to have a sense of privacy when I need it. So I can, you know, integrate my work and my life in a way that if I feel things are getting too much, I can step away from it. So all the, the kind of key emotional needs play a really, really important part, as does our resources. So misuse of imagination was, a, was on another podcast recently because someone picked up on me using that term. And they're like, we need to have a whole conversation about that. And so we literally just focus on misuse of imagination in the workplace and how that really inhibits people's behaviour and it affects me- meetings and it affects how people's mindset in terms of how well they go about things or they don't go about things you know there's so much that we know from how the brain works and from how what we need in order to be able to thrive that really is so central to workplace culture everyone is everyone should have a basic understanding in it yes yeah and just listening to you talk Lisa really you know resonated with me and makes me think about one particular manager I had who was absolutely fantastic at all of those things that you've just talked about mm. um, what a happy and healthy thriving culture mm. that was and, yeah. and a workplace that did align with with people's values and because they felt so secure and recognized and that they were achieving because things could be tweaked and tailored to their strengths they wanted to give more yeah and were able to give more yes um and that in stark contrast to to a, a completely different experience where everybody just wanted to run for the hills. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, this is such important stuff that, that you're doing and, and applicable to so many different settings. It's really. Important. Yeah. And I think when people ask me about what sector do you work in? I remember when I was, you know, going back a long time and I was trying to work out how to because my background is not business so I was trying to work out how to run a business rather than just do my psychology and human gifts bit and people say you know you've got to be really clear about your sector and you've got to really narrow down on this that and the other and I just kept thinking it just doesn't work for me because I'm all about people and I will work for people in tech companies or in the medical world or in HR or it doesn't matter I will work it's about people And as long as you have, as long as there are people, then what, you know, what we're talking about today applies to those people. So it doesn't matter about particular industry. I might not be the right fit for company. So you might have a particular uh, sector who wants someone who, you know, there there was a a building company recently who said they specifically wanted to have a guy who going in and doing stuff. And I was like, absolutely, I, I get that and that's fine so I might not be the right fit but in terms of the, what we're talking about this stuff applies to everyone of every company size in every sector yeah yeah and I guess that you know thinking about how people feel when they're at work and how you know how much they feel part of that community and that sense of security and mm. tension and achievement etc you know how is employees mental health and well-being integral to that employee experience well it's kind of, it's a bit like what you were just touching on just now is it's kind of reciprocal isn't it because if if someone's going to work and they are treated well they go to work and they have a real sense of belonging they love what they do they know they're able to do what they're able to do really well because they're given the freedom to do it they're they're enabled rather than kind of blocked with stuff then they are going to thrive and they're going to feel good about themselves they're going to feel good good about the people they work with good about their company 
and when people thriving is also improving their mental health their well-being and of course if those people who have good mental health and well-being are much more likely to be able to be engaged at work and to get on with people and to have empathy and to be you know just good team players and so on so I think some people say well I can't focus on employee experience because I've got you know I've got these people who are struggling with mental health issues or I've got these people with mental health issues and that means I had to focus on that and I can't do the other but actually they're all integral they're all part of the same thing and if wherever I always say it's almost like a part of a big system wherever you punctuate that system wherever you start doing something it will have a ripple effect and so often people will say you know we want to develop I've had lots of people say we want to develop our employee experience program and we also want to do something around mental health and well-being and we also want to do something about kind of manager training and they're almost considered separate entities and actually you just need to pull the whole thing together because if you start changing one thing it will have an impact on all the others but that's the key thing that often companies miss they have people working in silos within their companies so I'll often I'll have a big picture and I literally have lots and lots of dots with all representing all the functions within their company and I talk about you know how well are you joining your dots and they don't. I was talking to someone recently who said they're two different parts of their company, their organisation, both doing work on menopause awareness. Neither of them are aware of what each other were doing. So both running these like little campaigns within the same organisation. It's like that's not very joined up. So it's about, you know, lots of companies have great strengths, great resources within them. They have lots of really amazing stuff happening but it's just not necessarily being pulled together the right way. And as soon as you pull everything together, that's when it really has a great impact on employee experience, that impacts on mental health and well-being. that impacts on the employee experience. Yeah. And well, just listening to you talk, I just wonder, have you got an example? Is there a, a you know, a, a case study that you can kind of put to us of how you've done that with a company and what impact they've seen? Yeah, so I was working with a company who were, struggling they'd kind of lost their way a bit with their vision and their values and so on because they were had been going on going for quite a long time and these things tend to get thought of once upon a time and then stuffed in a folder on a wall somewhere and that's it and they realized that people weren't being particularly motivated that some people were off sick longer than perhaps they should have been morale's a bit low and they're aware that some people were complaining quite openly about all the changes going on and so we, so that was the kind of the, what was presented to me. And we put together a, a kind of skeleton of what to do. So looking at, for example, leadership, we did leadership workshops and coaching around understanding what their purpose was. So I guess in Emma Lines, the leadership team start with, because lots of people, there's always changes on these teams and people don't really, within that team, they didn't really have psychological safety. So I started off, you know, we talked earlier about, demonstrating they didn't really get it themselves they've heard about it they understand, they understand that there's an important need what's it look like can you unpack psychological safety for us yes yeah yeah so in terms of being able to be um, authentic so being able to feel safe to be myself being able to feel safe to ask questions uh, being feeling safe to be able to make contributions to be able to challenge people so it's a sense of feeling safe to own up to I've made a mistake or I don't know something and it goes back to essentially being human so it's kind of basic human principles but somehow they end up getting lost and in some companies more than others so you know 
when you've been in a situation and you're able to put your hands up and say, oh my gosh, I forgot to do something or I got that wrong or I don't know how to do something. And in certain uh, industries, like if you're a pilot and something went wrong, it's never seen as a criticism, it's never seen as an error, it's never seen as a, you know, you need to be punished for this. It's like, well, actually, let's all look at learn, learn from that. What can we all do differently? But that doesn't happen well enough and often enough in most companies. So it's about creating a culture where people can really feel okay to be completely authentic. And as, when we are able to be authentic, then you suddenly let all the barriers down. Because as soon as one person has the courage to do that, then other people start to do the same. And again, that's a real classic. It has to be leadership demonstrating that. So in this company, you know, the leaders have got into a, a kind of mindset of, you know, we're, le- we're supposed to know the answers. We're supposed to be leading with confidence. We're supposed to know what we're doing because I'm a leader. And they f- were forgetting the fact that they are also people who are affected by COVID uncertainty and stress and everything the same as everyone else it's almost like they're invincible so we we had a situation where we were working with those guys to help them understand actually what it is they wanted from their company which had changed from when the last vision of values was set up what they wanted how what they thought was important but then they also set up a working group and we then had working group representatives going off to every part of the company to ask every employee what they wanted And then the two lots of data were coming together. So one vision and one set of values could come from the whole company. So everyone was buying into it. Then we were looking at what are the behaviours that would demonstrate that. So it's very much more around relationships, care, recognition, all the everything we've been talking about today. And because everyone had taken part and agreed to that, and then everyone agreed to what sorts of behaviours we'd be seeing if we're demonstrating that, and then how we reward and recognize that everyone changed their focus from I've just got to work harder and I've got to achieve these goals to actually I'm now looking for evidence and I've got to do it myself that we are fulfilling our values and our values are about looking out for each other and you know how we go about taking responsibility for me being in the right place for to do my best job so it kind of changed the focus and so we we're doing that with the leadership team. I did some stuff with managers around how to create psychological safety within their team, because, again, a lot of managers, I feel sorry for managers. They get so much dumped on their shoulders without any investment in them to know how to do the stuff. So there's a lot around empowerment, and psychological safety and so on. And then also did work with the whole employee, like all the employees around what we mean by mental health and well-being, because there's still you know, a lot of um, misconceptions around what we mean by mental health and you know, think it's mental illness and so on, and actually helping them understand what goes on in your brain and how to understand your early warning signs that stuff's going wrong and then what you can do about it and what you can do if you notice your colleague um, is beginning to, um, their emotional arousal is beginning to increase. So lots of work at all levels of the organisation. It's um, something I think that we, we see in schools well, and all of the, the things that you've talked about can mm can really be applied obviously we do that in in universities in secondary and primary schools as well yeah and actually I do do a little bit of work with a local authority still it's somewhere I used to work many years ago with which is about working with their teachers to introduce and implement some of this stuff within their classrooms and for themselves so you're right it's that's why I was meaning earlier on about it doesn't matter what age you are or what sector you're in if there are people it's applicable Mm. and you know to teach that an early age of 
you know, are we looking out for each other? You know, yeah. are we thinking about how our behavior impacts on others? Are we creating a psychologically safe place mm. and, and a culture that supports well-being? Could be transformative right from that early level all the way up through business and beyond. Massively. And I think there are, I think the minority, I think the, I think the balance is now beginning to shift to people used to think well-being is a kind of the fluffy stuff. And I think people, there's definitely a shift in that. People are now seeing the change in that. I was at an event recently, a business event, where the keynote speaker was talking all about, his whole focus was on psychological safety and supporting business businesses in terms of looking after their people. It's got to be looking after people, people first. And he was the chair of a whole business sector in quite a big town. And you think the message is getting through. He's someone with status within that community it really resonated with everyone in that room and the conversations that were happening were so different. I was lucky enough to be part of, of those conversations and the conversations happening are so different to five years ago. You know, people see that, you know, the need to look after people, the need to understand how to do that isn't this kind of bit on the side, like what is she going on about? Um, let's get down to proper business. This is the business. If we don't get this bit right, what we want business to be about won't happen. Mm. Mm. So what what were the key differences that this particular business noticed? What sorts of things did they they see happening? I think they changed. I mean, the whole process was quite a, a long process because actually it kind of evolved as it went along because things, you know, you have a plan, but I always say a plan is a plan for, you have a long-term plan, but actually you're clear on what you're doing today and then tomorrow the next bit might change depending on what happens today. So as we went along, there's a real... There was some sense at the start of, is this going to work because of prior experience that they were a bit sceptical, you know, understandably. And again, I was normalising that. So people were almost being quite judgmental and critical saying, well, this is never going to make any difference because then they're not bought in. And I once I explained that the brain, their brains, that's fine. Their brains just pattern matching back to other stuff. And let's just give it time and let's just focus our efforts. Maybe we'll tweak them to focus in this way or focus on that particular group instead people suddenly realised that actually what was happening within the company was gaining momentum and more and more people wanted to be on board with this. More and more people wanted to be involved in the working groups or in any opportunities to be able to shape something rather than sitting back and being told or just kind of being passive on the outside and just complaining about it. And more people, like you said earlier, people were enjoying being at work. People were wanting to be part of this community and so fewer people were going on sick leave and um, people talk, the reputation of the company really improved because, because of the work they were doing, people talking about the company, the work they were doing, and not only sort of employees just talking to their friends and family, but they were being used as a case study, an example of good practice at other events. And suddenly this company has gone from actually they've got a problem with what's going on with their employees. So suddenly they're being held up as this is a great place to work because we really care about people. And of course, once you've got people wanting to work there, that changes everything. Once you've got people who are enjoying working there and are not clock watching, you know, they're happy to work that extra bit because they're really committed to achieving that because they're bought into it. They're not doing it just because they've been told to. It just transformed everything. So suddenly morale felt different. You know, people, the whole reputation of the company, the outcomes were better. So it felt not only was the kind of bottom line in terms of numbers better, but it just felt a better place to work. And I think that is so important right now because employees are walking. And if they don't like their company, 
there are so many vacancies out there. It's a real challenge for recruiters at the moment. There are just too many vacancies. So people are saying, you know what? I don't like the company I'm working for. They don't treat me well enough. I'm going to go over here where they do. Mm, yeah. So I think so. it's quite significant. <laughs> it really is. And, and you can see that on, you know, recent social attitude surveys as well. There is such a shift yeah. um, within society, especially, yeah. you know, in, you know, younger age group towards this being the, the, the focus of where they want to be. And much more, I, I saw an article this morning, which, which degree will earn you the most money? And I thought, oh gosh, <laughs> horrible place to start. Um, but actually what we see in the social attitude surveys is as people moving away from that and more towards what's actually going to give them meaning and purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So if there are business owners out there today, Lisa, that are listening to this and they would like perhaps to adopt a more holistic approach to their business, how could they go about starting this? I always say to people to start off by getting all the relevant people within their organization together and so having a collaborative conversation around this is what we already do so it's joining those dots I talked about earlier on so you don't so rather than just sit down to leadership team or whoever think about okay who have we got who might have something to say or has a role in doing something that feeds into mental health, well-being, employee experience in a wider sense, have a really holistic view of who we've got, bring them together and say, right, what are we doing at the moment? What have we got in place already? So that we can join that up a little bit more because there is, there is lots of good stuff going on in companies. It's just not very well aligned and under a strategy necessarily. Then look at the gaps. And once they know what the gaps are, get the information if they can to fill those gaps. So do they know, for example, do they know if their employees are happy at work? Do they know what the barriers are to them being able to thrive? Do they know what they, you know, the little things that could make a difference day to day? And lots of companies have the surveys going out and so on, but actually are they asking the right questions? I often question that. And um, what do they do with the data? Because it's already well getting these amazing surveys, but actually what difference they make? And that's where people then get a bit passive about those as well. So I think looking at what you've got, looking at, what you need to find out finding that out and then once you know what's getting in the way or what's helping people what people want what they're driven by starting to look at what you can do in-house to address that because there's already so much that once you have the information once you have the awareness so many companies can change so much of what they need to do they're little tweaks such little changes they're not massive radical things that are going to cost massive amounts of money and take forever so just start to look at what you can do within the, the company and then you, then you look at what you need to bring outside help in for. But that's almost the last bit. You can do so much within house yourself before you start having to think, actually, I could do with someone who knows about, you know, change or who knows about this aspect or that aspect. It's, it's knowing what you need first. And of course, some companies will just think about that and like, yeah, I can get on and do that. And some others will just think, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a huge amount of work. In which case, that's where people will contact, you know, come to contact people like myself or equivalents of me and say, you know, can you help us have a conversation about this? And I always say to companies who are looking at starting on this journey that if they're getting external help, just make sure you like the person, make sure they're really easy to talk to, because so many there are so many organisations now, particularly since the pandemic started, who have sprung up to be we are 
we will guide you through your whole journey with well-being and um, employee experience and so on. But they're kind of very slick, big companies, quite corporate and so on. And, and that might suit a lot of people. But you want for, for this to genuinely work, you want to be able to, whoever you're on a company, whether you're a CEO or anyone else in that company, you want to be able to say, I don't know, or I just want you to help me with this. Or can you help? I just don't know what to say in this email or whatever it is, whatever's really important at that point. If it's about this piece of work, that they can be authentic themselves and not have to appear to keep up the pretense that, of course, I'm a, um, I know what I'm doing and I'm in charge of my company and I'm great. I just need you to come and help fill up the gaps by every, from everyone else. So it's, you've got to be very clear about that relationship and get the relationship right. Mm. To speak to different people, make sure you just get on and can chat about day-to-day stuff. And also, I guess, working with the, a, an individual or a company who takes a really tailored approach. Yes. Than, you know, we all we have a saying within human givens therapy, you know, we don't do therapy by numbers. Yes. You know, there's, there's no formula for this. And the same applies to, to the work that you do in, in business. Yeah, absolutely. And what you, you know, be prepared to change what you're doing. There's never any, you should never have something that's, you know, this kind of notion of a contract where it's like, well, you said you were going to, deliver this or that or whatever yes you've got to have some expectations but it might be well you know what now we're a bit further down the line actually rather than do it that way should we do it this way or you know be open to suggestions come from the company saying actually I think rather than doing that can we can we park that for a bit and do this because this seems to be coming up more now as a bit of a priority and it's having the ability to kind of be agile and to be flexible enough to meet whatever needs coming up which some people like and some people don't. So that's where it's about getting the right fit. (laughs) Lisa, this has been absolutely fascinating. And I know our listeners will have got so much out of this. We're running out of time now, but I just wondered if there was anything else that you had to add. I think what I would add now is just for people to start having the conversations. So, you know, people sometimes listen to podcasts, they'll read something in a magazine, read something on the news whatever and they'll think actually yeah I should do something about that and then they go and sit down and then get swamped by their other stuff I would say right now while you're still listening to us talking to think what's the first thing I'm going to go and do because I think starting that conversation I'm happy for people to contact me and start you know have a conversation ask questions um I'm happy just I talk about this I'm happy to chat about this stuff but if you know think about who in your company you want to go and talk to think about what it is you're going to go and do as a, as a concrete action taking going away from this podcast rather than it's a nice to listen to what do you do now what do you commit to now that's going to turn something into a positive change within your company thanks lisa if you'd like to find out more about this topic and lisa's work all the relevant information and links can be found in the podcast description lisa thank you so much again for covering such an important and interesting topic and i know it's going to be real food for thought and there'll be lots of business leaders out there really reevaluating their employee well-being approach no doubt because as you say lisa it's always time for change and thank you too to our listeners until next time goodbye